Have you ever wondered the impact of early childhood trauma on your life and your health? Diane Vitch is a registered nurse and professor and holistic health coach, and she learned the hard way through 13 prescription medications each day and nine surgeries before the age of 40, the impact of early childhood trauma in her life. Join us to find out more. You're invited, delighted to discover who you are. Anything is possible if you believe. So join us on this beautiful journey. So let show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Nectar Show, that show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather around the campfire and we share our stories of connection to that which is bigger than us, to the great mystery beyond the veil, to our life's journey and all of its twists and turns and how it leads us inevitably to our soul's purpose as we follow those signs and nudges and intuitions and we move through the pain that life inevitably brings us. I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird, and I'm so glad that you're here with us. I welcome you to the show. And I am, uh, you know, really, really intrigued by the soul's journey and how it shows up for each person in this really unique way. And, and you know, everybody just look at your thumb. You have a thumbprint. It's unique. It's your journey. It's your life. It's how life is showing up for you. And it's not going to show up for anybody else exactly that same way. So you might get a nugget from this conversation that is a piece of your puzzle. And I hope that's so. And if you'd like to join community and be support with people who are also walking this path and unpacking our life's presence, uh, check out my website, kerryhummingbird.com, K-E-R-R-I, hummingbird.com, and sign up for a little chat, and we can get to know each other a little bit and see if this is a good home for you. So today, I have another beautiful guest for the show, um, Diane Vick. Welcome, Diane. Thank you for having me, Carrie. It's so much fun to be talking to you again. Yeah, I'm glad that you're here. I was on Diane's podcast and she did a beautiful movement um, dance and honoring of the feminine body and our um, blood cycles and how juicy that is to really honor the divine feminine that each of us has when we're living in this uh, female body. It's especially potent. And of course, men also, doesn't matter what body you're in, everybody's got masculine and feminine energy. And so I really welcome you to that. We're going to have a great conversation today. Diane is a registered nurse, a professor, an author, and a holistic health coach. She helps people with chronic pain, digestive issues, and anxiety using alternative approaches to release trauma and pain. And she helps women explore their inner dreams and desires through the mind, body, and soul connection. And she uses her experiences overcoming chronic illness and disability to help clients overcome trauma, chronic disease, and negative patterns that impact their health, happiness, and dreams. And so we're going to hear a little bit about her transformation from this health crisis and nursing and and holistic healing modalities that started unfolding for her. And we're going to talk a little bit about all the prescriptions and all of that kind of stuff, prescriptions and surgeries. And as you all know, my passion with skills, not pills is that we find alternative ways to heal and we look beyond the literal and we stop fixing 
symptoms and we start going to the root causes and that's what Diane's done. So we're going to hear more about uh, Diane and she's in a new book that's been released. Her story is in uh, the book Crappy to Happy. Uh, so I'll, I love that title. It's so catchy. So I'm going to share the link to the Amazon where you can buy that book. But Diane, tell us about, um, tell us more about your journey. I know people are intrigued now. You recovered from debilitating disease. You have a nursing background. You're into holistic healing and all of this. So how tell us more about you. Yeah, thank you for inviting me again. Um, I'm excited to share this story. So I've told this story before, but I've actually gone through a bit of an epiphany after I told you on my episode that I actually surrendered um, and a lot of things came to me. So I'm going to switch it up um, just for this show and, and let it flow. But if I could go back in time and tell my 15 year old self something, I would actually tell her a quote from Dirty Dancing. Who loves that movie? I love, I that, love movie. that movie. You remember when she was in the corner at the end and he says, Patrick Swayze says, nobody puts baby in the corner. Well, my 15 year old girl needed to know that I wasn't supposed to be in the corner because yeah. I totally allowed my, my child abuse and trauma, my um, you know, emotional abuse um, by, by the same person to make me feel like I didn't have an opinion. I was hopeless, I was helpless, I was alone. And, and what progressed is I ended up feeling like I was a trapped little girl in this room. And I stayed in that room my whole life. And, once I went through my careers of a special ed teacher, because I thought, you know, that was where I was going to help people. And then I ended up becoming a nurse and uh, I went to my own health crisis at that point. And I realized on my journey, um, which is the story that actually came out in this book is I had a bigger gift to give, but I had to, I had to find out my path in this world um, and unveil, you know, all the healing journeys that I had gone through to figure out that I didn't need prescriptions, that I didn't need to have a thousand surgeries and that I was meant to be a cheerleader for life. And I had let go of that dream so long ago because back then I wanted to be a cheerleader and I thought I wasn't good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm helpless, I'm hopeless, I'm alone. So let your life just fall apart. And that's how my life was led up until this point. And now I would definitely say I'm a cheerleader for life. I mean, I just got up and danced on my podcast and you saw me dance. I've never danced in front of anyone, never taken a professional class. Um, I just learned that as I started to heal my body, that my body was designed to flow, to move, to release energy. And, and my story in the Crappy to Happy series, this is a true stories of grit, grace, and love. Um, I hadn't actually shared my story with anyone. So this is the first episode that I'm actually sharing my story in this book is um, I was abused as a little girl. I felt like I was trapped in that room and I stayed in that room all of this time. And this last year was my journey to be able to share my story after surrendering and realizing that there was a bigger picture that I, it was impacting more people in my family, more people in my community. And it's something that needed to be addressed. And it was, really hard for me to surrender and to let go and finally when i found i told you i found a, a song by shyla ray existence was the day that i was actually able to surrender and i was very emotional at that point i was i felt like i needed to cry but i couldn't cry i had never let myself cry i was this strong person that um held on to those emotions kept them trapped inside developed physical um, illness, physical disability. Uh, you know, I had pain, chronic pain on the right side of my body. I was taking more than 13 prescriptions at one point. 
and my body just fell apart and I had to pick up the pieces and rebuild myself. Um, and this is the first time that I actually say, that's why I was abused as a little girl. And I didn't know what to do with that information. And I never told my parents until this week. So it was a big, big journey to, to be able to speak my truth and know that I had a voice and that I deserve to be heard and that I deserve to be seen. I think it's beautiful that you have the, found the courage to speak a childhood truth. Because my experience of finding the courage to speak childhood truths is that it's, as an adult, it's one thing as an adult to speak it, but the inner child and the, that experienced the trauma or the pain or the dynamics that were present when you were a child and experienced that, that aspect of you is still within you alive and well and has a hard time speaking up about those things. So there's a lot of resistance to actually talking about it. Huge resistance, huge resistance. I mean, throughout my journey, like the only person that knew was my husband because we've been together since I was 15. So little bits and pieces would come out. And when I felt comfortable with a certain friend, I might tell them, but to really tell the people that were impacted by it, to tell my family, um, it didn't come into play until I realized that I wasn't the only one that it happened to. And now it was time for me to speak up. Yeah, I think that women find themselves, this is a, this is, I see this totally as a conditioning of the mother wound that we've been experiencing for the last thousands of years um, through the dark pole of the patriarchy, you know, suppression of women, um, abuse of women. And not to say that men also haven't been abused, but, you know, predominantly women have been really abused. Um, and there are definitely dark poles of the matriarchy, but a lot, a lot of that's caused by power over and control and a suppression and, and all these, these forms of abuse. And the hardest thing that women have uh, to do in this time to learn how to do is to really honor themselves and speak the truth of what happened and be brave and bold. And, and even if that means that somebody might be upset or you might have problems, your family can't accept what you said, or, you know, there's, it doesn't matter. Like in some ways, like speaking that truth is so much more important. It's the most important thing and let, let the chips fall where they may. Oh, absolutely. I think it's, it's, it's my mission now to let people know that they need to speak their truth. And, and not only people that are adults, but I think my mission is to help those that don't have a voice, to help the kids that can't express themselves, um, the kids that have learning disabilities and maybe something's happened to them and, and they're not able to express themselves or they feel the same way that I did. Um, that is why I'm here. And if I can find a way to support them to find their voice and get out of that darkness that they're in, then I serve my purpose. I think that there's a, a there's also a change in our generation, you know, and I would call us, as I said to you before, I would call us the last daughters of the patriarchy, right? So I don't have any daughters. I'm the last daughter of the patriarchy. We're moving into the matriarchy or we're moving into a resurrection of both working together, right? Essentially, but there'd be a little phase of like reasserting the matriarchy as we come into balance with, you know, positive pole of masculine energy. Somebody has called that um, like androgyny, right? So we're moving into this balance between the two. And um, 
the last daughters of the patriarchy, we sure have suffered a whole lot of the darkness of both the dark feminine and the dark masculine, because it's, you know, anytime you abuse and subjugate other people, that's what happens. So in healing all of this, this is so much the most important thing is to realize that this is, um, this is generational and that the generations before, in order to cope from what I see, in order to cope, there was a lot of denial. So denial is like the biggest factor and even denial, like even from people who might've studied early childhood education and understand as adults, right? Still in denial that what happened as a child's brain is forming zero to five or zero to seven caused permanent ripple effect through that person's entire life. And it's that denial. It's like, it didn't, it didn't just end. Like it wasn't, that wasn't just, okay, the one thing happened or the two things happened or five years happened or 15 years happened and then it's over. No, it's not over. You got to heal that now. So it's a lifetime inquiry to heal that to go into those spaces and bring love. And the only way to do that is to talk about it and, and raise it to the level of the conscious mind, which is uncomfortable for people who wanna deny it. Oh, absolutely. I, I didn't make any headway in healing my body until I actually talk, tackled the mind, until I found hypnosis and underwent hypnosis and started to unveil some of the facts about that room and what happened in that room, I didn't start to heal. And it still took time. Because I had to, we're multidimensional. There's so many different aspects of us that need to be healed. And the root uh, was the biggest part for me. And a lot of, of our stress, our inflammation, our trauma is held in our pelvis. It's held in our rectum. And for me to realize that I had to learn how to combine different modalities together and find uh, tools like uh, crystals and and essential oils and things that I can use to help me through those hard times, to help me through that trauma, to help me actually release it and let it go, to get to this point where I actually surrendered um, and began to see the lightness. Cause I was stuck in that darkness. Like you talked about, there's, there's darkness in the feminine, there was darkness in the masculine and I was stuck out, out of balance and really not able to focus or maybe focus for a few days and then fall off the horse again. And it's just this vicious cycle. Yeah, it's kind of like you need to keep, <laughs> I don't know. I think the drugs, the not feeling pills, all of that and the alcoholism we have in our, in our nation in the United States anyway. I think the alcoholism, the pharmaceutical usage skyrocketing through the, through the roof, all of that has to do with suppression and denial of the truth. Mm -hmm. and trying to numb out and not feel it and not face it and deny like just to be like well that's in the past i'm moving on it okay well you could do that but it's not healed and it's still dragging you down like it's like an anchor through your whole life as you're trying to like and at some point your will center will give out like at some point you'll have adrenal fatigue and you'll get so exhausted from to, from denying the truth that you have to just stop and face it and I think that's happening for a lot of a lot of people right now around the world is we got that COVID thing, right? So that helped us slow down. Yeah, we had to slow down, not by choice, um, which made it even more uncomfortable, I think, for people. 
Yeah, because, because the they, denial is triggered, right? They don't have the denial. They don't have their normal coping mechanisms. They, they can't go out and socialize. They um, Maybe their kids had sports and that was a way to, you know, have some entertainment and movement in the family. And now there's none of that. Now everybody's inside the house. And um, I find that that's even harder on the kids, the ones that don't have a voice, because now they're stuck in whatever their, um, their trauma is, whatever dysfunctional life they have now they're in that 24 7 and there's nowhere to go yeah and if you don't have somebody in their sphere showing them positive ways of handling that you know and they're just sort of stuck with people who are choosing to deny still and hold on to that denial and numb out and i mean i was i personally was surprised when i went out to find out like all the liquor stores were open during COVID, right? So like, like other places are closed, you know, like p even parks, even parks were closed, right? But the liquor store, uh-uh, that's got to stay open. And to me, that's like a really interesting indication of the, the level of consciousness that our society is operating from right now. Yeah, it's hiding. It's covered up. It's um, my, my addiction was more sugary foods and it started when I was in childhood. How do I, how do I, well, it started off, well, first I was abused, right? And then I stopped eating, so I became skinny. And then progressively, um, that person started to tease me and tell me the garbage man is going to come get me. So what's my next option? Sugar. So I started eating all this junk food, ended up having tons of health issues. It started as a little girl, which now from the background that I am, a nurse, pediatric nurse, I know that these are all signs that there is something else, there's an underlying emotional uh, reaction and, and emotional trauma happening. Even if it's a minor thing, they don't know how to process it. They don't know how to speak for themselves. They don't know how to tell you what's happening. And the body will show you in symptoms. So I was this girl that was always in the hospital with a stomach ache, always having a rash, being sent to the emergency room. And my parents didn't know. And I, I thought I didn't have a voice. And I think that they would have supported me through it if I would have thought that I had a voice. Yeah, so having a voice is something that's demonstrated. It's something that as a parent, you actually have to demonstrate, you know, how to have conver difficult conversations by having them with your children. You know, so if you have this sort of parenting model of like, well, if you bring something difficult to me that I don't like, I'm gonna tell you that's disrespectful and send you to your room. <laughs> that's not teaching how to have a difficult conversation and stay with it till the end. You know, then when you have something come up in your life, like, like you had a difficult set of experiences, then you don't know how to, how to broach having the uncomfortable conversation if nobody showed you how to do it. And if you yeah. don't see it happening in, in front of you, like in the family, you know, a lot of times um, the parents, you know, the old model is like parents pretend like there's no problems and then they go in the back room away from all the kids and they have the conversation like separate, you know, to have unity. So they have like power over the children, you know, like a, a unified front. It's almost like you're an us versus them. Like we've got to control those children. So like it's us making our game plan separate and then we go control the children. And I understand that model power over model, but we're moving into a new space now. And certainly some of those discussions need to happen offline, but also discussions need to happen as a demonstration, like with the child, like 
you know, my dad did this with me a little bit where he would ask me like something would come up and he would say, well, um, what did you do? And what were the, what do you now see were the outcomes of your actions? And what would have been three other alternatives you could have done? And what do you think would have happened if that happened? So we had these long conversations whenever something, you know, came up and then he would say, well, what do you think the punishment should be for what you did? So he would kind of involve me in like helping me to assess like what's an adequate consequence for whatever it was that happened. I don't see a lot of parents doing that. You know, I don't see that happening quite a bit. It's sort of like this, you know, discussion or maybe it's not even a discussion. It's just like a reaction. So I think parents need to learn a lot to help their youngsters to um, to be able to speak, learn how to speak up, learn how to broach co uncomfortable conversations, make it safe to have uncomfortable conversations. So the body yeah. doesn't have to tell you, right? Definitely. And, and something, it might not be something that you were taught, something that you experienced, and sometimes you got to go look for it. I mean, there's so many things out there for us to absorb and learn from. There's so many different stories and Maybe you just need to find someone to, to support you in that journey. And that's something that you, you need to learn. I know for me, I've never had that kind of conversation with my kids, but I have been very supportive for them, um, very caring and, and, and loving to them. And since they were little kids, I would always tell them, as soon as they could speak, I would tell them, if someone touches you, you need to tell me. I'm here to listen. I am here no matter what. Whatever they tell you, it is okay to tell me. And that was not an easy conversation. And, it, and it's not a conversation that I ever had with my parents until recently, you know, letting them know what happened. But I felt with my kids, I needed to tell them because I needed to be there to protect them if that situation happened. And I'm Absolutely. glad that I was able to do that with them. Yeah, you, you, um, you broach that there's things that could happen rather than trying to pretend like it's not gonna happen. It's kind of like good to be prepared in case something like that does happen. I mean, not to go into gory details with them, but like, you know, hey, your your body is your body and nobody has a right to touch it but you. And if anybody touches your body without your permission, then that's a problem. Yeah. If you feel uncomfortable, it made you feel uncomfortable, then it's worth telling me. You, you should tell me. And no matter what, you tell me. So I, I think that was a, where my journey started to change is when I started to tell my kids about it, um, even though it's taken eight years to get through it and work through all those self-limiting beliefs. Because back when I first started my journey, I had all these big dreams. We were going to write kids books and we were going to, um, you know, they were going to be the painters and they were going to do the art projects. And, you know, I had all these big dreams. And basically what happened is I fell apart and their dreams went away with them because I gave up on my dream. And I had to find my self-love and I had to find my way out in order to be able to actually start that dream. And I ended up writing a book for them. One of my sons has anxiety. So when I was writing, publishing my book, which is the truth about IBS and anxiety, um, he was having a lot of anxiety issues. He was having um, panic attacks and having headaches and all of these symptoms. And I was like, you know what? Uh, suddenly I was inspired by spirit to write all these kids books, but I only published one. Um, and the one I published had a meditation for him. And I actually would play the meditation for him when he was having a hard time. And it was called, and I ended up switching it because of the COVID-19. I was like, well, a lot of people need 
uh, a little bit of support during this time or their kids don't know how to deal with the emotions that are around them. Their kids um, don't know how to deal with all this fear about this virus and um, what's happening in their homes. You know, how do we protect our energy from all the things that are happening in our homes? Um, so it, it just guides them into a little meditation and, and a little talk about how we can get uncomfortable because of the outer world, but we have to work on our inner world. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, this COVID thing, people react to it very differently. And there's a lot of things that I guess people are learning. I, I've learned about it myself about the news and things like that. And like, what, you know, what kind of environment are you creating at home? Like, is the television constantly on with fear-based dialogue happening, streaming into your living room all day long and all over your house? You know, are you focusing on that? And if the parents are super stressed out and their way of coping with it is like, you know, having a drink or a two drinks or three or four, you know, then it's not, you're not really available or present for your children in that, in that case. And having been a person that's done all that, so I don't have judgment about it, but I just, I just know my regrets about that, you know, my regrets about not being present. Um, it's hard for people to be present right now if they don't have the tools and they've just sort of been given these pills, right? Like this is really, really feel like the failure of the medical industry is not giving people tools for bringing themselves back into inner peace and relaxation and, and meditation and feeling good about themselves, like just giving them a pill and, and then what, you know, I feel like that's not, there's not teaching any coping skills at all. Oh, absolutely. Like when I was at my worst of my irritable bowel syndrome, I was at the, the um, gastro and he had reached the end. He didn't know what other pills to give me. He didn't know what other prescription. So the only solution was to send me to a psychiatrist. He's like, this is mental. You're, you're going to go see a psychiatrist and he's going to put you on something. And I was on that medicine. I was on Celexa for several years until finally I decided that's it. I'm going to figure this out on my own. I don't want to be on this forever. And then it's funny because now I go to their office, like I actually gave them a copy of my book and I go to their office and there's actually stuff about mindfulness and how the biggest uh, problem with IBS is uh, mindfulness and you need to do meditation and you need to do deep breathing. But back when I was on that journey, none of that was out there. Yeah. And I think they could do even more with it. You know, frankly, I mean, the way I feel that or think that is because of the numbers of, you know, that we have the largest consumption of pharmaceutical drugs in the United States of any other country. I think we could, we consume 80% of the, of the world's drugs and we have 20% of the population. That's just kind of like one of the statistics I heard a while back. That's crazy. That's just insane. It, it is. It's insane. I mean, at the point when I was at my worst, I was taking 13 prescriptions and I was still feeling miserable. It's not like the medications were really help. helping. No, because it's still there. You know, that's what I try to tell people is I took those pills, you know, the not feeling pills for what, like 12 years, 13 years. And I kept trying to go off. And anytime I went off, I would cry. So I'd be like, oh, no, I can't cry. So I have to go back on, you know, because I have to be there and strong and happy for my children. You know, and it's such a false happy, like it's so empty. It actually just made me a shell of myself. And I was not present with my kids at all, you know, because of all that. I couldn't feel what was going on. You know, I did, I like, I did, I did, my feeling senses were locked down too with that. Because if you can't feel your own body and you can't feel your own emotions, you can't feel anybody else either. So it's all just mental at that point. And, you know, 
to be compassionate and loving and empathetic means to feel. So we have to feel. So how do you guide people, you know, to understand these concepts that might be more focused on the medical? Because I know you have that side. So how do you coax them into this other way of looking at things when there's so much programming around this traditional model? Right. So I start by teaching them that there's a physical and an emotional root to everything. And usually I work based on the physical first. So if they have inflammation, you know, I get them supplementation to reduce the inflammation. We eat a healthy diet. We detox from sugar and carbs and take out gluten. And as the body starts to begin to heal and reduce some of the inflammation, then the mind becomes more open to the possibilities that I teach. And that's when I start to introduce the deep breathing. My breath that I, I use is the five, five, five breath. So you inhale deeply for a count of five, you hold for five, and then you exhale for a count of five. At this point, I mean, when I started, I was doing much less. At this point, I probably do 10, 10, 10. But it has transformed my health completely. I used to have asthma. I used to be at the allergist all the time. And it transformed simply by changing my breathing and being able to control it under those stressful situations. Because we might be in the middle of a conversation that's really upsetting you. And it's so easy just to change your breath to begin to shift that. And just slowly working through, through different challenges with people helps them see how it works and recognize that, that the strategies that I teach, that it's really about the whole body. Um, I teach different positions to lay in. I use, um, I use yoni eggs. I'll grab one for you in a minute when you're talking. And it's really about tackling the inflammation at the root and using meditations and using all these different modalities. And then if they need some extra support to tell them there's, you know, acupuncturists out there, there's um, shamans out there, there's all these different strategies. And sometimes if it's really deep, if it's really dark, you might need to combine stuff together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a journey. And, and I think that's another switch that's happening is that um, we had the the platform or messaging or conditioning, oh, there's, you know, here's the path. You go to your family doctor <laughs> to solve everything, right? And now we're trying to teach people, okay, no, actually you have to guide yourself. Like you guide yourself to the solution. And it might be going to the family doctor, but it might not. It might involve going to an acupuncturist. It might involve going to get a massage. It might involve going to meditation or to yoga. It might involve energy healing. Like it could involve a whole lot of things. It might involve just going and spending an hour on the earth, you know, or taking a walk in nature. So this is a self-guided path. And people are so used to being spoon-fed that now the, the whole change is like, no, that's not going to work now. You've got to actually guide yourself towards a solution, right? You got to guide yourself to a solution and you got to know what works for each emotion because each emotion is different. You can't work through anger using the same strategy that you use for sadness. They're two different emotions. And I had to learn that as I worked towards getting here was I had forgotten that one of my big tools was boxing boxing and really working out and punching out that anger. And that's a little secret. 
you feel angry, you can go punch something, not a person, but you want to punch a punching bag or just simply try going boxing. And that's the way to release anger. But sadness, you need to surrender and you need to cry. And up until I swear it was three weeks ago when I heard that song, I had never cried. And it was all preparation for the death of my cousin that happened a week later, which is all intertwined in my own trauma. I had to re-experience all these people again. But until I surrendered, I wasn't ready. Yeah, the surrender is such a big deal. It's, you know, we're taught to suppress everything. And, you know, having emotions is not a problem, but we're trained and conditioned that it is. We're trained and conditioned that it's not appropriate. Like for example, in the workplace, it's not appropriate to have tears come up, to have feelings arise, to be frustrated or angry with somebody. It's not appropriate. And so like you put to put your game face on and act as if, right? So you don't lose power. There's like all this game playing that goes on in the collective currently. And really the movement is toward heart centeredness. But, you know, in the moment you might be in a meeting and you might have emotion arise and the, the way you might handle it without all this knowledge is you just suppress it and like fight it back and like hold it down and push it down and act as if and you know and it's so much inner work just to like avoid something that's a really natural thing whereas if you got good at practicing allowing your emotions to surface when they surface you could allow those tears to come out they would be gone in like literally a few seconds and you and it would just go on as if nothing happened right but at least the expression like the expression came up and out you had some emotion maybe your face turned a little red you had a little tear it's okay it's all right. You had emotions. You're a heart-centered individual. And I feel like it's also changing the attitudes about that, right? It's changing the cultural perceptions of that into being a positive thing that, wow, you're really heart-centered. That's a good positive thing to be heart-centered. Absolutely. I think it's, it was an essential part of me. Like I was always very heart-centered, but I was keeping everything in and covering it up. And everybody thought I was this happy-go-lucky person. And I just, I didn't know I had an opinion. And once, once I started to unveil that I had an opinion and work on the emotions was when the magic really started to happen. Yeah. Once you have an opinion. Yeah, exactly. You have a perspective. And I, and I think that's also part of the healing of the divine feminine, the healing for all of us women is to realize that it's okay that we have a perspective and to share it, you know, and to retrain that part of us that, that was told to, you know, if you don't have something nice to say, then don't say it. Yeah, it's a retrain that part. I used to hear that all the time. And what actually happens is it gets trapped in your body. All of these emotions that we hold on that we don't process in that moment, they get trapped and they continue to pile onto each other. And that's when we have um, issues in our tissues is what I called it in several of the books that I wrote. Um, And then it, it just gets encased there. And then you have this physical disability, which has ended up what, what happened to me is the entire right, when I shut down and I gave up on my dreams in high school, my entire right side of my body shut down, which is funny because that's the masculine side. Right. And it became so tight, so tense that I had numbness. I had tingling. They couldn't figure out why this young girl was falling apart. 
well, let's put her on prescriptions and that'll solve the problem until I actually found my way out of it. Now I don't have any of the disabilities that came with it because I was able to really tackle that root and unveil the trauma that was keeping me stuck. Yeah, it can be a disowning of the masculine, right? So if you're violated or there's something that happens that's um, very vulnerable and, and unwanted, um, involving the masculine and masculine person, then that can shut down your, your own masculine energy and rejection of that, right? So there's a lot of psychological things that um, happen in the subconscious that we really need to start becoming aware of. And the body's telling us, the body's like very clear in telling us what's going on. I love Louise Hayes' work around the body and how, how different aspects of your body are telling you things when they shut down or they have issues, they challenges or tightness or pain. It's like, it's telling you, hey, you need to look at this specific thing. It's, the body is, is actually quite brilliant about revealing what's going on. Yeah, so when I started my journey, I started with Louise Hay. Um, I learned about the emotion code um, and it was really to figure out how I can heal myself. And then after I went through all of that journey, I realized that intuition is in me. I can ask myself, why am I having this pain here? I can figure out what's the emotion under that pain and who was, who was, a, who was there during that situation? What was the situation? What was the conversation that happened that triggered that pain to happen? And I began, began to see patterns that when I would have confrontations with people, my neck would knot up and my shoulders would get tight. Mm. And I would feel stuck and frozen for days because the emotions got trapped there. And my body was giving me the messages the whole time. I just didn't know how to listen to the message and how to tackle it synergistically. So what I, what I like to teach people is what I, what I share is we need to work on the emotional and the physical at the same time. We need to use stuff from the earth wholesome um, products to help you release that pain but also you have to physically touch yourself you have to physically massage those areas you have to show love and and love the body that you're in to get the body you want so I had to physically massage myself and that's how I learned that I could do orgasmic stretch and have orgasms simply by stretching is because my pain was so intense that as I worked through it and realize that there was emotions attached, I would have this amazing response from our body because it was happy that I was letting it go. Yeah, releasing tensions from the body feels really good. That's I agree amazing. with you. Like <laughs> I, I've done, I do these long periods of stretching where I just like feel and stretch and move through and, and I don't know how long it's gonna take. You know, I don't really worry about that. I just kind of know when I'm finished, you know, and, and it's always great to have that big release, right? Like something just finally go, ah, oh, and just let go some tightness, you know, it's so it, the mindfulness about our bodies is important because we can become really just ignoring our bodies. And when we're ignoring it, we're, we're really missing out on so much valuable information you know, everything we want is on the other side of fully embodying, fully being present with your body, because that's like manifestation too. Like the more you relax into your body, the more you really nurture your, yourself, your inner child, all your inner matrix, and you're really present with everything. Then those little heels that used to dig in, you know, and prevent you from moving forward the way you really wanted to, they relax because you're paying attention. You know, they just don't want to be drug anywhere anymore.
just tired of you dragging dragging them around yes your body wants to be free your body doesn't want to be held back by prescriptions and it wants to be understood it wants to know that you understand the message and that you're actually doing something actively to release those pain and symptoms from the body exactly well it's gorgeous well i love the work that you're doing is there anything else you want to share with the audience about you know tips or strategies well i would say for surrender my biggest suggestion which is something that i recently found is um actually laying back in the ocean or laying back in a pool and floating Mm. that to me is the best surrender and i actually did it today (laughs) so i had I would I had mixed up the times of you being on my show and I was like, you know what, it's time to surrender. So I laid back and I relaxed. And in the, that moment, you can do a meditation, you can do a prayer, um, you can visualize your day to be a beautiful day, whatever it may be, but it's really an essential part of surrendering. It's really laying back and letting go. What I wanted to show you was the yoni eggs. So there's different yoni eggs. Um, I started using them on my journey because I realized I had trauma in, in my yoni. And I talk about it in my book. Um, and I had a, a caregiver, her name is Michelle Alva. She actually did massage, yoni massage. She, you know, she worked with the pelvis and stuff. And I realized that I needed something that would help me release the trauma from my body. And now I'm incorporating it with my clients too. And each egg has its purpose. Each stone has its purpose. It works on different emotions. So when I was working through the big trauma to be able to speak my truth over the past few weeks and the grief of my cousin, I was actually using this one, the black on, I think it's an onyx. And it was, it was really helping me surrender and feel that sadness and release it in the moment. Because if you allow it to continue to build up then you just feel miserable for days and days, you, you, you feel disconnected from everyone around you. You, you can't find um, that joy that you normally find because you're stuck in this sadness. And really an integral part of what I'm trying to teach now is that we have to work at the root and combine all the strategies together so that we can unveil things so much faster for the collective. Yeah, I, I agree. The root is the connection to the mother earth. So Pachamama. So yeah, we're reconnecting to mother earth. That's also part of the work I'm doing, as you know, with the healing, the mother wound is healing our, these last thousands of years of, of abuse in our family lines that is carried forward in our very bodies for the, through ancestral DNA. And in this lifetime, the, the last daughters of the patriarchy have been clearing that energy and uh, it's big work and it's wonderful work. And now we have the opportunity to, um, you know, to reconnect deeply and receive guidance and support from Mother Earth, who's our mother, our our ultimate mother. You know, is this divine Mother Earth? This our bodies are made of her, you know, and our spirits come into the form, and we're in Earth. We are Earth. We're made of Earth. So it's time to honor earth and, and stop thinking about, you know, you think you can take this earth body someplace else and survive. Ha <laughs> ha, go. We'll see how that works. So really, we're made of earth. We're on the earth. We're in a closed system. This is a consciousness, this planet. And while we're in an earth body, we need to be on earth. That's the whole thing. So it's time to honor our mother, you know, honor our planet and honor our bodies and honor ourselves and honor our lineages and, and heal. 
and forgive. I love all this um, that you're bringing out. And I love that you're using stone energy because that's earth, you know? Everything that I use is earth. I mean, the essential oils come from the earth. The herbs that I use come from the earth. Everything is about re reconnecting with the earth and healing our body with what we were designed to ingest, what we were designed to be uh, encompassing our lives, to be outdoors in nature and get a fresh air and having more fun and laughing. I think we don't do that enough. True. We don't have fun with that inner child. So I, I love to do fun stuff. I'm actually doing a, a mindset class for my kids today because um, he's taking a, a, a test and I want to bring some silly stuff in. Some of those strategies I use with the adults, I'm going to let them have some fun. Awesome. Yeah, I love that. And so what recommendations do you have for people who are, you know, working from home? Because I know that by the time this comes out, we could be in another lockdown. This is going to come out in April. So we could be in another lockdown with COVID <laughs> and people could have their kids at home again and trying to work and stress and how are we going to survive and all that stuff round two. So like, what do you have to say for people that might be in that spot? I would say definitely, if you feel like you're going to snap, then it's time to take a break. That is one of the things that I do for myself all the time and that I encourage my clients to do. No one is going to follow you into the bathroom, even if you are mommy and your kids follow you there. <laughs> Close the door, put on your favorite song, dance in front of the mirror, do some deep breaths. You're going to laugh at yourself. You're going to reconnect with yourself. You're going to see yourself in a whole different light when you start to use this all the time. That's something that I call dance release. And really, we all have our own favorite songs. We all have that song that really makes us smile, that song that makes us cry. You got to find the one that works for the emotion that you're feeling and go with it. And if it's like my most recent song is Mamacita. And that's, that's me, you know, getting energized and pumped before I make a, a hard phone call. But that's the song that I find works. So it's having more fun. And really, if you're home with the kids, go, go play some board games and enjoy the moment. Put away the phones, put away the technology and just enjoy the moment and go outside more. Those are my three biggest things. You need to dance, you need to have fun and you need to go outside. Awesome, super simple. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing all that. And is there a way for people to get started with you that want to find out more about the work that you do? Yes. So you can go to my website. It's Diane, D-I-A-N-E-V-I-C-H. It's Vic, but it's V-I-C-H. Um, I do have events on Eventbrite. I'm launching a new event, which I call Orgasmic Meditation, um, which is really how we can feel all these multidimensional experiences in, in our body by combining different strategies. So I send out a, a really cool gift box to help people tap into their own energy and just check out all my events on Eventbrite. But everything on social is my name. Beautiful. Well, I encourage everybody out there to go check out Diane. She's obviously gone through a heroic journey and is here to tell you all about how you can go through your own heroic journey of healing your body from whatever ails you and move into a new space of harmony with that physical vessel, your emotions, and your spirit. So definitely check her out. I'll put the link in the show notes. And uh, I'll ask you again to give us a nice review if you found this uh, episode helpful. Just go up on iTunes or wherever you heard this review, YouTube, and just you know give us a rating so that we can get more traction and more people to find this podcast. We're sharing out really useful stuff. We're connecting the dots. 
And we'd love for you to help us connect those dots to people that might need this wisdom. So thank you for your support and your service. And uh, now I'm going to give you guys kisses. Diane, would you like to join me? I always give people kisses. Okay, here yes. come the kisses, everybody. We love you so much. Thank you for listening. Okay. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday on Soul Nectar Show. Bye for now, everyone. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show. Take a sip from the drip of nectar from the source of who you are. Yeah, yeah.